0: Well, today is 9-11, it's a sober day here in America, but today's question is not about 9-11. Today we actually have a question about a haunting text in the pastoral epistles. The question comes in from a podcast listener named Amy. Hello, Pastor John, and thank you for APJ. My struggle is deep and personal. I'm not maturing much in the faith. I forget just about everything I learn as soon as I learn it. Sermons pass in and out of my ears and I take away from them just about nothing, or so it seems. I fear I'm the one mentioned in scripture as always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. Can you explain this verse to me and what does it here mean to arrive at a knowledge of the truth? What would that look like? Pastor John, what would you say to Amy?
1: Well, I'm very glad that Amy is even open to considering the possibility she might be like one of the women described in 2 Timothy 3, 6 and 7. Mm. That in itself is a mark of spiritual life, it seems, because very few women who in fact are the kind of women described in these verses would have any humility to admit that they were the kind of woman who's in these verses. <laughs> so here's here's what it says. Let's get the verses in front of us. Paul is writing to Timothy about a certain kind of man who does certain things with women, and they are a certain kind of woman. And let's read now, What, what what's the man doing and what kind of woman is vulnerable to what this man is doing? Here's what he says. This is 2 Timothy 3, six. For among them, that is those dangerous men, are those who creep in to households and capture weak women, heaped up with sins and led by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, Amy wonders if her difficulty in not maturing as much as she would like in the Christian faith and in forgetting so much of what she hears in sermons, does this mean that she's one of these women who can never come to a knowledge of the truth? Now, I don't know Amy. I don't know the extent of what she thinks her weaknesses are. I don't know the quality of teaching she's receiving. I don't know her own battles with sin, so I'm in no position to pronounce about whether she could be in the category of these women in 2 Timothy. What I can do is describe the situation here in these verses with a little more attention so that she then can measure. Whether or not her particular difficulties that she's described put her in this category. My own sense right now, given what I see, is that uh, she's not in this category. And you'll see why, as we unpack these two verses, first, the women are described as weak women, so we must ask, so what's the nature? Of their weakness. And Paul leads us along the way toward the answer with the next phrase, namely, they are heaped up with sins. It's a dramatic word. It's the same word as Paul uses in Romans 12 for heaping coals of fire on people's heads, piles and piles of sins that these women are committing. So we should ask, well, What's the nature of the weakness that results in these women committing sin after sin such that they pile up? And the next thing Paul says goes a long way to answering that. He says they are being led by various desires or passions. Now we're at the heart of the matter. They are always learning and cannot come to the truth, never arrive because they are being led not by truth, but are being led, controlled by desires, passions, instead of being led by the truth. So let's read backwards now. They can't arrive at the truth because they are controlled and led by all kinds of various desires rather than discerning and submitting to the truth, and being led by those desires They are led into sin after sin, which creates a huge heap upon them. And that, Paul says, makes them weak and thus vulnerable to these rascals who are coming in with their false teaching and maybe even more abusive behavior than false teaching. These women are not like Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and absorbed so much truth. They're not like Priscilla, who understood the way of truth better than Apollos did, they're weak, meaning when desires come, they don't stand strong against them and govern them with the truth. They give way. And that's what it means to be weak here. They give way to sinful desires, and so they are led like a ring in their nose. They're led by passions, not truth. So they arrive at sin after sin, not ever deepening knowledge of the truth. Now, what can we say about this text that might help Amy get her bearings? Three things. First, Amy describes her main problem, as far as she can see it, as a problem of a weak memory, not a weak morality. The problem in this text, Is not that these women have weak memories. The problem is that they have no power to stand over against their desires and deny them and be led by truth against them. That's the problem. Now, Amy will have to decide. I don't know Amy. She'll have to decide if that's her struggle, but it's not what she mentions. All of us have very different capacities for remembering things. I consider my own memory. My capacities to remember to be weak and getting weaker, by the way, <laughs> which, which means, and I mean always, I can remember in college taking history classes and working my tail off till two in the morning, memorizing dates, trying to figure out acronyms, <laughs> remember places. And I had to work so much harder, it seemed, than everybody else just to get a B in this, in this uh, history. Class. Same thing with sermon preparation. To give a sermon or to give uh, to talk where you just use notes instead of a manuscript is enormous amount of work. So, God has made life harder for me in this regard, and I do not doubt that was His will, and that it is good for me to have to work harder on memorizing Scripture than others do. And and I, I would suggest to Amy that there may be simple strategies of instead of rolling over and playing victim, there may be strategies of repetition and note-taking and journal-keeping and so on that could supplement a weaker memory. That's the first thing. Second thing I would say. Is that the knowledge of truth referred to in verse seven is probably not truth in general, but in fact the core message of the gospel. Now I say that because the way that term is used, the exact term in Greek knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy two four, Second Timothy two twenty five, Titus one one. You can look all those up and test, you see if you agree with what I'm saying. The point I'm saying is These women are are called weak not because they didn't have a systematic theology. That's not the issue. Coming to a knowledge of the truth doesn't mean coming to a knowledge of Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. The point is that in their desire-controlled hearts, they were so resistant to seeing the gospel as beautiful and desirable above all things, that they could not understand it in any depth, and therefore they could not hold on to it as the treasure of their lives, and therefore they were led about by lesser desires. And the question I would ask Amy is, does she have a firm grasp of the gospel, of what God did— in Jesus Christ for her in history and what he has done in her heart? Does she grasp that central core truth that is so stabilizing against being jerked around by our desires? And the last thing I would say is that just a few verses earlier, that is chapter 2, verse 25, Paul had given the divine solution to the problem of not coming to a knowledge of the truth. Here's what he says. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Very same phrase. In other words, ultimately, arriving at a knowledge of the truth is a gift of God. God may perhaps grant them Knowledge of the truth. The bondage of our desires and the bondage of Satan, the blindness of our hearts is hopeless, a hopeless condition without divine intervention. So the remedy is to pray for God's mighty grace to break in and give us the victory over bondage to sinful passions so that we arrive at a saving knowledge. Of the truth,
0: very, very helpful, Pastor John. Thank you. I uh, I hope you find this encouraging. Amy, thanks for the great question. Keep those great questions coming in, and uh, I appreciate all of you who listen to the podcast. To search all the episodes that we have published to date, or to browse our archive of episodes, or to submit a question to us, like Amy did today, do all of that online at desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John and. Uh, Another thing that you can do at the homepage, and I don't mention this very often, but there's a, a really interesting feature that we've built into the homepage for you. Um, at the homepage, if you go there to desiringgon.org forward slash you can browse the archive of episodes either by date, getting the latest episodes first, and that's the default. If you go to that page, you'll see a button that says recent. That's been pressed automatically, but you can toggle that button to a list called Popular. You can click on the popular button to see a real-time list of our episodes that have garnered the most plays all time. And that list, uh, and you can scroll down and you can keep unfurling it as, as many episodes as you want. The top 100, top 1,000 episodes, whatever you want. That list remains current every single day. So it's a really cool feature if you want to see our hit list, so to speak. Again, that's all available at desiringgodorg forward slash I am not sure what's on the table for Monday's episode, but there will be an episode, Lord willing. I'm Tony Ranke and we uh, plan to see you on Monday. Until then, have a wonderful weekend.